Good morning, everyone. Good to be with you all today. You can open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, while you're turning in your Bibles, I'd love to ask you all for some prayer. Uh, my family is leaving tonight on a family vacation to Colombia. My wife specifically told me I need to say it like that because um, I didn't really, I said Colombia uh, first, so Colombia. Uh, we're going to Colombia where my wife grew up and where her parents still live and serve as missionaries. They've been there since 1990. And uh, we're going to be spending a week in Cartagena. I think that's how you say it, Cartagena, and then uh, in Medellin. And so uh, it's an important trip for our family to go uh, on this trip because, um, as I said, my in-laws have been serving there as missionaries uh, for all this time. And this is going to be our last trip that we come together as an entire family with all of Leah's siblings and all the grandkids uh, gathering together for one big hurrah before her uh, parents come home uh, off the mission field and move back to the States. So uh, we'd appreciate your prayers for that. Uh, we're going to be going to a little town where I proposed to my wife. Yes, I did propose in Colombia. And uh, she's right there in the back. How am I saying it bad? Is it all right? All right, good. All right, so, okay. Uh, kids are super pumped for it. They get to see all the cousins. And yeah, we're just looking forward to the fun and the rest that's going to be had uh, while we're there. And if you could, uh, we'd appreciate you pray that uh, there would be no natural disasters to interrupt our, our trip. So for those of you who are newer, our last vacation was in Maui uh, during the fires. So, uh, But anyways, let's, uh, let's get into Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. Today we're going to continue looking at the people of faith that God used throughout the Old Testament. Uh, we're, we're looking at lives of those who lived before the coming of Jesus Christ, and yet regardless, they, they lived by faith. And so uh, last week, the great Reverend Ryan Reeves uh, gave a wonderful message from the book of Hebrews, teaching on Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And it, it's, it's really nice to know that our youth are in very capable hands. And Sam and Ryan are just days away from the birth of their baby. Uh, due dates right around the corner. So, yeah, pray for them as well. And let's uh, look today at Hebrews 11. We're going to start in verse 23. We're going to see the faith of Moses, Joshua, and Rahab. And so starting in verse 23, this is what we read. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt." For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned." By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient 
because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your living word. And we pray that today it would teach us everything we need to know about you and also everything that we need to know about ourselves. God, we thank you for the faith of those who have gone before us, who um, followed you even in the midst of challenging times. So Lord, as people of faith today, Lord, we want to look to you, we want to honor you, and we want to live for you, Jesus. I pray you bless the time that we have in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, well, here in Hebrews 11, we see those words, by faith, repeated all throughout the chapter. Hebrews 11 is often called the faith chapter, or as some have called it, the hall of faith, because it gives us living and breathing examples of people who walk by faith and not by sight. These people believed the promises of God, and, and they acted upon those promises. You see, what they were doing is that they were trusting God at His Word. They believed that He would do what he said he would do for those who follow him. And, and that's faith. Faith is taking God at his word and doing something about it. So seven more times in this section, we see those words by faith. Five of them are going to have to do with the life of Moses. And then the other two will have to do with the lives of Rahab and Joshua. And so the majority of our time this morning, we're going to be looking at Moses's life. And, and, you know, Moses, along with Abraham, who we've been considering over the last several weeks, is rightfully uh, looked at as a very important person within Judaism and Christianity. Uh, we already saw, though, that all the way back in Hebrews chapter 3, if you remember back then, that uh, Jesus is better than Moses. But still, Moses was a man who had great faith, and God did many great and mighty works through him, and we're going to see that today. And so beginning at verse 23, this is what we read first about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So what better place to start in a person's life than to talk about when they are born? And Moses was born during the time when the Jews were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And you might recall that there was a prophecy that was given to Abraham that this would happen. And so Abraham, we know, had Isaac, and Isaac had a son named Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons, and one of those sons was named Joseph. Joseph was brutishly sold into slavery by his very own brothers, and yet what we read in the book of Exodus is that what those brothers meant for evil, God meant for good. Because what eventually happens is that Joseph rose to second in command over Egypt and was given uh, leadership over taking care of the resources of the king in order to spare all those who were hit by a severe famine. So the, the family of Israel was saved because of this happening. And so at the start of things, things were going really well in Egypt with little brother Joseph at the helm of all of the king's resources. But eventually Joseph and all of his siblings die, and then a new king rises over a new generation. And, and so this new king in Egypt looks out and he sees all of these foreigners living in his land. And it says that the new king of Egypt didn't know Joseph, and so he began to feel threatened. 
threatened by these Jewish people because they were rapidly increasing in multitudes. You know, there was a a baby boom among the Jews during those days. Uh, The text literally says that the Hebrew women were vigorous at giving birth. And so I'd encourage you to go read Exodus chapter 1 through 2 to get the full scoop on this story. But let me summarize for you uh, by going off of what Hebrews 11 verse 23 tells us. It says again, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Now, before considering the faith of Moses, we're actually first told about the faith of his parents. Behind many great men and women of faith, you will often find godly parents. And by the way, do you, do you happen to know the name of Moses' parents? It's likely that you know who Moses is. Moses is the third most mentioned name in the Bible. Jesus comes in at number one. He is mentioned 1,281 times. David is mentioned 971 times. Moses is mentioned 803 times. But notice here in Hebrews 11, Moses' parents aren't even mentioned by name. And yet they are credited as, as those who hid their son Moses for three months, and they did that by faith. Now, we'll talk in a moment of why Moses had to be hid for three months, but first, I think there's something to see here. And it is that it is important that parents walk by faith. By the way, Moses' dad's name was Amram, and his mom's name was Jochebed. And they're only mentioned twice in the scriptures, once in Exodus chapter 2 and another time in Numbers 26. Uh, But listen, parents are instrumental in the development of faith in a child's life. To have faith in God, it's not a requirement that your parents would have faith in God, but it certainly can be an advantage to be raised by parents who have faith in God. You know, for instance, my wife grew up in a believing family. She was a missionary kid. She grew up serving the Lord with her family in churches all throughout Colombia. Right, Leah? I'm just messing with her now. Um, I, on the other hand, did not grow up in a believing family. I have since been able to influence some in my family to come to faith. In fact, I had the opportunity to lead my drug-addicted, suicidal ex-stepdad to Christ. Did any of you guys have one of those growing up? Right? Now look, it's a blessing to grow up in a Christian home. And it can be very advantageous. I'm so happy that, you know, my three children have a mom and a dad who love and serve the Lord. And, and, you know, we want our children to know Jesus more than anything else. More than anything else in this life, we want our kids to know and love Jesus. And so if you grew up with faith because your parents had faith, then, then you should count that as a blessing. But realize this, it's not a requirement for faith. In the same way, it's also not a guarantee that if someone grows up in a believing home that they're going to automatically be a believer in Jesus. I like to say there's no piggyback rides into heaven. 
So regardless of the family that you were born into, you know, maybe you grew up in a family with faith or, or, or your family did not have faith. Well, let me just tell you this. Jesus has come and he has brought with him his kingdom. And so the time has come that individually each one of us must be born again through faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that can happen for anyone here today, regardless of the background from which you've come from. See, we each need to have our own faith in the Lord. And that being said, I do want to say that if you are a parent and you believe in Jesus, or a grandparent, or, or, or there's any sense in which there are little children or babies that are under your care or under your influence, I believe that it's time that we would take our faith seriously and to teach faith to our children. See, when Moses was a baby, he was dependent on his parents and their faith for his protection because babies can't have faith. Faith comes at a certain age, a certain maturity in life. There's no concrete number for which time that happens. Some, it happens at a very young age, but, but babies cannot have faith because there's no comprehension of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is why, as people of faith, we are to protect babies and young children by our faith. Because God's plan of redemption has always come through babies. Salvation has come to us through childbearing, literally. God promised to Eve, the first woman, the mother of all living, that through her offspring, the Savior of the world would come. But also with that came the promise or the prophecy that there would be enmity between the serpent and the seed of the woman. That, of course, being the devil. And Satan's strategy has always been, from that point uh, of the fall and on, to try and snuff out the redemptive plan of God. And do you know how he does that? Well, in many ways, he goes after the most vulnerable. Babies. You see, if the enemy could have had Moses killed by Pharaoh when he was a baby... Or if the enemy could have had Jesus killed by King Herod when he was a baby, Moses and Jesus are similar in that when they were born, there were threats upon their lives from the government. Now, now where would we have been if God had not sovereignly worked to save those babies that were being ordered to death by governments that were being influenced by powers of darkness? But God always has a plan, a sovereign will that is able to endure through those kinds of government edicts that have come upon us throughout history to kill babies. But as people of faith, we do not obey those edicts or fear those who make them. And that's why Moses was hidden for three months. There was an edict of the king a government command to kill all the male Hebrew children. Why? Because he saw as 
the Jews were multiplying. He wanted to stop those growing multitudes as they were living in Egypt. And so, the, but the reality is that behind any governmental decree that harms children is satanic evil. Because the enemy wanted to try to snuff out Moses and, and, and the Hebrew babies. Why? Because we know that through the Jewish people, the Messiah would come. And again, because the enemy is doing this, yet God is sovereign, we also understand that there was a responsibility of man. And thanks be to God that Amram and Jochebed acted in faith and they hid their son Moses for three months. Why? Because they saw that the child was beautiful. You know, when you look into a child's face, you behold a thing of beauty. Children are beautiful to the Lord. And children are meant to be beautiful to us. And when we see that beauty, we are to do everything by faith to protect our children from the things that are seeking to destroy that vulnerable beauty. Perhaps Amram and Jochebed would have had some special revelation from God that, that their son had a particular beauty. And Acts chapter 7 does say that, that Moses was beautiful in the sight of God. God saw him as beautiful. But any parent looking into the face of the child is going to preserve life because they see them as special. They see them as beautiful. And Moses, of course, is going to do special things for the God of Israel. But his parents didn't know that when he was being born. And isn't every baby beautiful and special? And there's no telling what God might do through one child that is born into this world that is spared from a death decree. One child born into this world spared from death might do wonderful things in faith for the redemptive plans of God. And so after three months when they could not hide him any longer, and that's probably because babies sleep for the first three months, but after that, they start screaming and waking up through the night, and, and, and so they couldn't hide him any longer, and they had to do something. And so what do they plan? Well, Jochebed, Amran come up with this plan, and, and it says that they made a basket, and in that basket, they're going to put the child into the Nile River, just like the king had commanded ever only ever so slightly, doing it in a different way, building a boat, building an ark, you know, out of this basket, literally covering it with tar and pitch, the same way Noah built his ark so that the waters would not get in. And so Jochebed sets her baby into the basket and floats Moses down the river ever so slightly until he gets caught within the bulrushes. And then there she sends her daughter Miriam, Moses' older sister, to follow along and to keep a close eye on Moses' safety. And lo and behold, who comes down to that river that day to take a bath? The daughter of the king. Pharaoh's daughter comes with her maidservants to bathe in the Nile, and she sees a basket, and she hears the cry of a baby coming from that floating basket, and she pulls it out of the water, and she sees a baby inside. She would have seen the beauty, maybe some tears streaming down that baby's face, and she has compassion on that child. She knows it's one of the Hebrew children 
She's going to name him Moses, which literally means to be drawn out of the water. So she wants to help this child. But then up runs Miriam, Moses' older sister, and says, oh, oh, look, you found a baby. Do you want me to go find one of your Hebrew servants that, that can nurse this child for you? And so Pharaoh's daughter says yes, and, and then Moses is put right back into the hands of his mother, Jochebed. And she gets to nurse and raise her own child again. And the awesome bonus is that the Egyptian government paid her to do it. (laughs) So by faith, Amram and Jochebed did not fear the king's edict, but instead had faith. They understood this principle that is throughout Scripture, that it is better to obey God rather than man. The king said, kill the baby Hebrew boys. The people of faith said, we will save these babies. Fortunately, many Hebrew boys were killed in those years, but Moses was spared. And of course, he grows up to be the one who will deliver his people from that bitter and brutal slavery in Egypt. How marvelous are the sovereign works of God that he works through people of faith. And do you understand how both of those work together? That God was sovereignly working, and yet the people were also working actively by their faith. Well, verse 24 to verse 26 says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. All right, so Moses was nursed by his mother, but he also became an adoptive son of Pharaoh's daughter. So you can imagine that in those early years of Moses' life, he would have lived between these two mothers, an Egyptian mother bringing him up in all the Egyptian ways of life, and a Hebrew mother bringing him up in all of the promises of God for Israel. But once he had grown up, we see that Moses realizes what his true identity was. Moses knew that he was not an Egyptian, and he he refused to identify with that life. Moses knew that he was a Hebrew, And he decided to identify with the people of God. But he had a choice in this matter. He could have have identified as an Egyptian, which the scriptures show as a picture of the world and, and sin and slavery, true slavery. Or he could have identified with the Jews, a picture of the life of faith in God, slaves of God's righteousness. And look, what an appealing life that Moses could have had with all of the power and influence that he could have had as an Egyptian. And we're not told this in Hebrews um, or or really in the Bible, but we're told in other writings, most scholars agree that it's true that, that Moses was in line to take the throne of Egypt. Moses was the prince of Egypt, 
And I may or may not have watched that movie this weekend. It's a good one. Yet with, with all that Egypt promised to Moses, Moses instead chose with faith to be identified with the people of God. And because of that, he was mistreated with the Jewish slaves. We're not told this part in Hebrews, but Moses murdered an Egyptian man that he saw beating one of the Hebrew slaves. And it says in the scriptures that he looked this way and that way to see if anyone was watching. And he struck the man down and then buried him in the sand, thinking that he'd get away with it. But then another day comes and there's two Hebrew servants that are fighting together and Moses comes to try to break up the fight. And they say to him, what, are you going to kill us like you killed that Egyptian? And then Moses realizes that he's been found out and so he has to flee Egypt. You know, I have two more things that I want to draw out from this part before we move on. Did you see there that it talked about how Moses chose to deny the fleeing pleasures of sin? You know, sin is pleasurable, or else we wouldn't do it. Sin is pleasurable for a season. It's temporary. It's fleeting. You'll have a moment of euphoria, but then you will experience its sting. Just one little sin, what harm can it do? But give it free reign, and soon there are two. And then sinful deeds and habits ensue. So guard well your acts or they'll enslave you. And sin is slavery. And if you get lured in by the fleeting pleasures of sin, the final end of sin is only death and pain for you and for those around you. But Moses chose not to enjoy the life of sin, knowing that the enjoyment of sin is only temporary. Sure, it's fun for a moment. Sure, it gives a moment of euphoria and pleasure. But instead, he chose to be mistreated with the people of God. The people of God are those that have been called out of the world with its slavery to sin and have been called to walk in God's righteousness and kingdom. And Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So to walk in faith and righteousness with the people of God and to resist your sin, it's going to bring you reproach. Just one way that reproach, which means to speak with disapproval, one way that you will find the reproach of Christ is that the world will look at you in disapproval when you truly follow Jesus, and they'll say something maybe along these lines. Why are you not enjoying the pleasures of sin with us. And the world will persecute people of faith because what faith does is faith exposes sin with light. As Christians, we've been called to be the salt and the light of the earth, and we know that the reproach comes because we identify with Jesus, who is the light of the world. And men love the darkness, and they do their deeds in the darkness because they don't want to be seen. They don't want to be found. But when the light of Christ shines, it exposes. It brings the secret things to light. And so Jesus is the one who was hated by the world first. And so why would we think that the world will not hate those who identify with him? It's amazing that the writer of Hebrews says that Moses was looking forward in faith 
to the Christ. And he believed that greater wealth in God would be greater than any wealth that he was offered in Egypt. See, Moses looked at the fleeting pleasure of sin, and he compared it with the reproach of Christ. He did a cost-benefit analysis. He found that to bear reproach and to suffer now meant greater wealth later. But to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin now meant greater loss later. You can enjoy the world now and miss out on the world to come. Or you can miss out on the world now and enjoy the world to come. Jesus put it this way in Mark chapter 8, verse 35 to 36. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? So do you identify with Moses in this faith? Now, we all understand Moses was not perfect. I just said he murdered a man. Moses had all sorts of sins in his life, but he realized by faith to identify with the people of God, which for him was to identify in a forward-looking faith with the reproach of Jesus Christ. So do you identify with that? Because if you will deny the pleasures of sin now, you'll be able to enjoy Jesus now and for all of eternity. You know, you might have heard me say this before, but I'll say it again, is that to be a Christian and yet to participate in the passing pleasures of sin is the most miserable way you could live your life. Because you have enough of sin in you that you can't really enjoy Jesus, and then you have enough of Jesus in you that you can't really enjoy your sin. And so there's really only one way for you to go, and it's to leave your sin behind and to cling to Jesus and to walk in his righteousness. We must leave the life of sin and by faith follow Jesus who promises to those who believe both forgiveness and eternal life. And so verse 27 says, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know, Egypt is often pictured in the scriptures as the world with its bitter slavery to sin and death, and and the king, who is the ruler of that world, spiritually speaking, would then be the devil. And Moses was not afraid of the king who tried to keep Moses and to keep his people bound in slavery as he was killing off the Jewish people to keep them from flourishing. And that's always been the game plan of the devil, which is to kill and to blind the human race. That's what the devil does, is he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to keep you bound, keep you trapped in your slavery to sin, keep you lingering in this world, rather than bearing the reproach of Christ and receiving the promises of Jesus. But Moses had faith that there was a king that had greater power than the king of Egypt, He endured through the anger. He endured through the persecution of the king of Egypt by seeing with eyes of faith him who is invisible, and that is the God of Israel. 
God revealed himself to Moses saying, I am that I am. Yahweh. But do you realize something? That the revelation of God that Moses had was great. To see God in that burning bush and to hear those words, Yahweh, or I am that I am. And Moses got to experience God in some really profound ways. But do you remember how the book of Hebrews started? That in times past, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And Colossians says about Jesus that Jesus, when he came in the flesh, became the image of the invisible God. Moses would have longed to see that. Jesus is the image of the invisible God so that when we see God in Christ, we are to leave the kingdom of darkness and be transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Faith is a change of identity. Faith is a change of citizenship. You're no longer identified by this world and by that life of sin. You now are identified with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. You are no longer just a citizen of this world and that this is all that there is. No, you are but a sojourner uh, passing through. You are living in what is like mere tense here because you have a promised inheritance that is in heaven with Jesus for all of eternity. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you become a child of God in the kingdom of God, but not without the shedding of blood. Verse 28, by faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. The writer is using some pretty important words here to describe faith. At the end of verse 27, he used the word endure. And then at the start of verse 28, he used the word kept. It's been said that a faith that does not finish was faulty at the first. Faith endures. Faith keeps. Faith continues to obey the promises of God. Faith gets up when you fall and keeps walking with God. Faith continues and it continues to the end. And Moses kept the Passover a command of God during the last plague that came upon Egypt before God delivered his people out of Egypt by the hand of Moses. The blood that was to be spread upon the doorposts was the blood of a lamb. And that blood would be taken and, and upon the lentils, upon the doorposts, blood would be sprinkled. And if there was blood on the home, then the destroyer would pass over that house. But if blood was not found in the home, the destroyer of the firstborn would touch that home with the final plague that came upon Egypt as judgment. And if those babies did not have parents with faith to protect them with the blood of the lamb, they died. I'm sure it's been hard for you to hear about babies dying this morning. It's hard for me to talk about. But that's the reality of this broken and fallen sinful world we live in. 
But thanks be to God that he sends his only begotten son into this world, born as a baby, a baby that had a decree of death upon his life. But it was not his time to die as a baby. He would grow up in order that he might die upon a cross as the sacrificial lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away our sins. So plead for his blood. Ask for his blood to be upon your life and upon the doorpost of your home. And besides, we believe that when babies die, they go straight into the merciful presence of God. I believe that because that's what I believe about the character and the nature of God. When a baby dies, they go right into the presence of God. However, if you're not a baby, and and I mean that literally, not metaphorically, because Hebrews did talk about, you know, us needing to mature, and, and if you're a big baby, and you're not growing up, you need to, you need to grow. (laughs) But if you're an adult here, the only way for you to come into the merciful presence of God when you die is to come to Jesus by faith, and by faith believe that his blood was shed upon a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. You might not know all of what that means yet, but you would believe that God is God, and if he says that the blood of my son would be for the forgiveness of the sins of the world, you believe it, you receive it, you put faith in this invisible God that you have not seen, and yet you will experience what will come upon you when the Lamb of God takes away your sins. You will experience new life. And you will have an opportunity this morning, as you've been hearing these words, to decide that by faith, to put your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Because look at what it says so far about, Moses, about what Moses has done by faith. He grew up, he refused, he chose, he considered, he left, he saw, and he kept. What are these words? These are words of action. And we know that a faith that saves is an active faith. It's a faith that responds to the promises of God and does something about it. You grow up, you refuse, you choose, you consider, you leave, you see, you keep. And these are the things that Moses did, and by that he will be in heaven. He is with the Lord. So verse 29, because of the faith of Moses, the people of Israel followed by faith, as well. It says, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. So we could really do a whole study on each of these five moments that are in Moses' life, but let's quickly look here at this fifth and final moment of the by faith that we see about Moses' life. We see that he led people up to the Red Sea, and you guys know what happened, right? If not, go watch The Prince of Egypt, because that's my favorite scene in the movie. You guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe not. Go watch it. It's good. Um, The Red Sea parts. It's not just some 
animation movie. This happened in reality in history. And those, that Red Sea parted and then the people walked across on dry land. And, and then once every last Hebrew made it to the other side on dry land, it says that the Egyptians pursued them, attempting to do the same. But once the Israelites crossed, God closed back up the waters and the Egyptian army with all of their chariots and horses drowned in the Red Sea. You know, God promised to Noah that he would never flood the earth again. He never said that he wouldn't drown anyone again in his judgment. This is brutal, right? You read the Bible, you're like, wow, these these are some brutal stories. Well, they're brutal because sin is brutal. And the slavery to sin is brutal. And God is a deliverer, and God delivers his people. And, you know, the Red Sea crossing, I believe it is a picture of baptism. When the old life of Egypt is drowned in the water, and by faith you come up out of the water in the promise of new life in Jesus Christ. And when we finish this book in January, we're actually going to have another baptism Sunday. So if you haven't been baptized, you can look forward to that. But that finishes the section on Moses. And I said at the start that it would be the main proportion of our time, but we want to briefly look at Joshua and Rahab. So you guys have been so attentive. You guys doing good? We're going to look briefly at uh, the last two verses. Before we get there, though, I want to read to you a quote. One of my favorite quotes about the life of Moses, this was said by D.L. Moody. He says, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was nobody, and 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. That's good. All right, verse 30 to 31 says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So you can find all these stories in the book of Joshua, and we know that after crossing the Red Sea, the people of Israel began to complain against Moses and to say, why'd you bring us in here, you know, to kill us? We want to go back to Egypt and eat the watermelons and the leeks and all this stuff. And, and so as they're complaining, God... Uh, God kept them in that wilderness for 40 years until that generation of complainers and doubters and unbelievers perished. You know, it was only supposed to be an 11-day journey from Egypt to the promised land of Canaan, but it ended up taking 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. (laughs) There's a whole sermon in and of itself on that, but Those 40 years are wasted, and they're not even worthy to be mentioned here in Hebrews 11. God had to get Egypt out of the people before he could bring them into Canaan. And you know, there is this sense in which you can be saved, but You're like in that wilderness of unbelief and complaining and bitterness and 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 it's just like wasting years. And and what could have taken just eleven days for God to give you victory and rest in Jesus in Joshua is taken forty years because you won't believe 
God. It's amazing what happens because of lack of faith in people's lives. You know, Joshua is a picture of Jesus. He is the one who took them across the Jordan into that victory and that rest. He took them into conquer Jericho, a fortified city whose walls came down when the people worshiped. And hopefully you're picking up these truths by faith, which is that if you want to see the battles won in your life, worship the Lord. And we know that Moses didn't end up going into the promised land, which I believe is because Moses was a representative of the law. And the law, you trying to do things by your own strength and your own power and your own obedience to the law, that can't take you into the victory and the rest. You can only get there through Joshua. And so maybe you've been spinning out your wheels for 40 years trying to find rest and victory in your life and you haven't because you don't have faith and you've been trying to do it by the law, by legalism or by whatever it is, and you need to look to Joshua. You need to look to Jesus, who is the only one who can take you into the victory and the rest that he has promised. Rahab did. And Rahab was a Gentile woman, a prostitute, who lived in the city walls of Jericho, and she gave a friendly welcome to the spies that came in to spy out the land that God was going to give to the Israelites. And the spies were almost caught, but Rahab hid them on her rooftop, and then she let them out through her window, and then they went and gave a report back to Joshua. And they, they told Rahab, because she had given that friendly welcome and hid them, to put a scarlet cord in her window, a a blood-red cord, so that when the Israelites came to defeat the disobedient Canaanites in the city of Jericho, she would be saved with her household because she feared the God of Israel by faith. By the way, do you guys know why God allowed the Israelites to conquer the land of Canaan and to have it as an everlasting inheritance, it is because the Canaanites were killing their babies in sacrifice to false gods. They were burning their children with fire. And so if this section of Hebrews doesn't tell us how important it is that we as people of faith protect our family and protect children is we need faith in our homes. We need faith at the center of all things. I hope you see how important it is that it is by faith that we keep our homes holy. But in all all these things, we see Jesus, don't we? I love seeing Jesus through all of these stories in the Old Testament. One of my favorites is that Rahab, the prostitute, the Gentile woman from Jericho, she's spared when they come in to conquer that city her and her family. She goes on and meets a Hebrew man named Solomon from the tribe of Judah. And together they have a son named Boaz. And Boaz marries a Gentile woman named Ruth. And they have a son named Obed. And Obed has a son named Jesse. And Jesse has a son named David. And David is the second most mentioned person in the Bible after Jesus. And Jesus would later be born as a descendant of King David to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, a daughter. And if a son or a daughter, then an heir through God, Galatians 4, 6 through 7. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, John three sixteen. I love Jesus. Amen? Let's welcome the worship team up. God, we thank you for this time, and we thank you for the faith of Moses, Moses' parents, Joshua, the Israelites, Rahab. We thank you for the people of faith who are looking forward to the promise of a coming Messiah, the Messiah that would be born of a virgin with a death decree upon his life at his birth. And yet by your, by your sovereign will and by the faith of men and women before us, Moses lived and Jesus lived and, and then Jesus lived and he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And we thank you, Jesus, that you had perfect faith. Because none of us have ever had perfect faith. We have all had our failures, but Jesus, you never failed, you never sinned. And by your death on a cross, Jesus, you, you have dealt once and for all for our sins. And if we look to you by faith to receive your grace, you save us, Jesus. We don't need to perish with those that are disobedient. We can look to you, Jesus, by faith and be saved. If we are saved, we can have the victory and the rest that you promise by looking and keeping faith. Lord, we love you and thank you for this time. I pray you draw people into yourself today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.